Good morning, my friends. The day has come. The final episode of the Daily Update. It is July 2nd, 2020. It is 9.50 a.m. and we are late because we were just so fucking jammed up this morning. You wouldn't believe it. It was coming out of my eyeballs. Uh, but, you know, in, uh, in keeping with my form over the last couple of weeks, figured why not just let this one out extra late. Uh, let's be real. You guys don't listen to it when it comes out anyways. Some of you might not even listen to it at all, but here we are. All right. Um, thoughts on yesterday. A uh, little bit of a bumpy ride yesterday for U.S. markets, uh, you know, as investors dealt with handling the spikes in new cases, um, nothing really positive out there. Um, the Dow closed down 30 basis points. The S&P was up 50 basis points. And the NASDAQ actually was up almost uh, 1%. Uh, it was up 95 basis points as tech stocks continue to push higher. Um, Pfizer uh, came out with some positive vaccine data. That stock was up about 3% pre-market. And the fun part about doing this while the market is open is we can actually look at live ticks. Uh, and I can tell you that Pfizer is up now only 2%. Um, I remember early on in the coronavirus, anything that had any exposure to vaccines, it was like, you know, even hinting that they might even be working on something, stock would go up like 300%. But that just indicates that I think people don't care about the coronavirus anymore. Um, Pfizer uh, year-to-date uh, is actually still down 13.8%. Um, yesterday, Tesla passed Toyota as the world's largest auto manufacturer and the most valuable auto manufacturer by market cap. Uh, their market cap screamed up to 200 billion. That stock is up 7.5% this morning. And Toyota, um, let's see, their market cap is $171 billion. So Tesla, rocking and a rolling, makes perfect sense to me. And then, uh, you know, it would be remiss not to mention the new kid on the block, uh, the NKLA, if you will. Uh, they're down 5% this morning, stock trading, uh, you know, kind of in the middle of its 52-week range. <laughs> which uh, goes between $9 a share and $94 a share. Um, market cap on that thing is still $23 billion, uh, but they don't even have a prototype yet. <laughs> they are taking orders, however. Um, United Airlines announced that they're going to be adding 25,000 flights in August, tripling the size of uh, their June schedule. Uh, the China Kaishin PMI, Product Manufacturing uh, Purchasing uh, Manufacturing Index, was higher uh, than expected, came in at 51.2 versus 50.7. Um, so that's about a 2% beat, uh, well, 1.8% beat. Um, now keep in mind, um, that's an index. So that 51.2 versus 50, it doesn't represent actual dollars. It represents uh, the move of an overall market of volume. Uh, and that's brought to us by IHS Market and their Chinese partner, Kai Xin. Um, FedEx ripped yesterday, <clears throat> up 14%. We talked about how, I'm sorry, I missed highlighting that for all of you. Um, they're up uh, about two and a half bucks, which is 1.6% uh, um, this morning. Um, you know, if you missed that one, sorry, uh, don't chase it. Uh, the Saudis threatened to ignite an oil price war unless their fellow OPEC members fall in line with proposed production cuts. You know, they're saying, hey, look, you guys want to keep pumping out oil and uh, trying to capture more market share from us while we're trying to reduce 
our exposure and raise the price, we'll open the fucking floodgates and undercut all of you. Um, so that's something to keep an eye on. Uh, we do like oil prices being low because that means gas prices are low and that means that consumers are gonna be a little bit more comfy getting back in their cars and driving. Uh, driving is gonna be increasingly important going forward. I think people are gonna be very slow to return to mass transit, whether it's public transit or, or air travel or, or trains, whatever. Um, for those of you flying this weekend, it'd be interesting to hear uh, what that experience is like. I may be uh, kicking to the skies myself, we'll see. Um, Trump and uh, Congress uh, extended the payroll protection program, the PPP, to August 8th. Um, you know, again, I think we can just expect to see more and more extensions on these benefits and the stimulus. Uh, they just can't afford to pull them back right now and, uh, and skunk this, quote, recovery, unquote. Um, now, we're in day two of Q3. Uh, day two of the second half of 2020. Uh, now, Q3 is actually usually the, the weakest quarter for the economy. Um, you know, the summer slowdown. Um, there's an old maxim on Wall Street that says sell in May and go away. Um, just because Q3 is usually kind of a, a slow one. People are out. Um, people take summer Fridays. Um, there's not a tremendous amount of M&A activity in the summer usually. Uh, it's usually a slow hiring season. Um, but we are in uncharted waters. So who knows what's going to happen? Um there was actually, in line with that, um, there, was, uh, there was some interesting information out um, from, from uh, Bank of America that we'll talk about. Um, but, um, you know, valuations basically are stretched out. And I think a lot of people think the stock market's way ahead of the economic recovery, myself included. But many big investors still took a lot of money out of stocks in late 2019, and they kind of continued to sell through March 2020. And you know, they piled back in to an extent. Um, uh, they piled back in to an extent. Um, uh, but, you know, not really, really, really meaningful. There's still a ton of money. Uh, in, there's still a ton of assets held in money markets, $3 trillion. Um, Um, still three trillion uh, in there from the first quarter, and uh, the average yields on those accounts are pretty low. So it's hard to swallow those one percent yields when the market's going up thirty percent. Um, but uh, those sidelines investors might decide to remain patient, wait for another dip like yours truly, or they might get back in, um, and that could just rip the market. So there's a lot of money still on the sidelines, a lot of money in money, in, uh, in, in money market accounts. So according to B of A's sell side indicator. Uh, the investment sentiment among investors is still very cautious. Uh, both individual and institutional investors remain skeptical about the future. However, that indicator historically has shown that after sentiment tilts down like that, it snaps up quickly. Uh, so that could be a bullish indicator, but you know we're in uncharted waters. So using, uh, using historical stuff right now is kind of tough because we're off the grid, we're off the market. Um, Yesterday, NPC, uh, the largest Pizza Hut franchiser in the world, filed for bankruptcy. They have 1,200 Pizza Huts and about 400 Wendy's franchises. Um, you know, I think Pizza Hut, uh, I think they're just, they were just behind on their delivery and third-party setup, and they didn't benefit from this environment of people being able to access QSR restaurants via you know, Postmates, Uber Eats, Seamless, Grubhub, etc. Um, they just kind of missed it. And if you missed that and you're in the restaurant space, you're kind of fucked. Um, so I think Pizza Hut might have actually fallen behind compared to like Domino's and Papa John's and um, others that have actually really done a good job capturing that. Uh, and those people who own those stocks have seen the benefit. I think, you know, Domino's continues to be at the top of the stack. 
Papa John's a little far behind. Um, who knows? I mean, I don't know. Papa John's without the Papa. Is that really Papa John's? Um, now, those 400 Wendy's restaurants, um, who knows? NPC probably just bungled that. I wouldn't be worried about Wendy's. I think they've done pretty well. Their ticker's W-E-N. They're owned independent. They're private, obviously. Um, Pizza Hut is one of the Yum Brands properties. Yum Brands also owns Taco Bell and KFC. Um, I might be a little more concerned about Pizza Hut, so I'd be a little concerned around Yum Brands, and typically I'm a big Yum Bull because um, they've done such a good job turning Taco Bell around, and KFC is just kind of a good staple. So I don't know, keep a cautious eye on Yum Brands. They're up 2.5% uh, today, but uh, still down about 15% year-to-date, actually 14% year-to-date after that pop today. Um, so I do have some long-term concerns around Yum if that Pizza Hut property um, can't get their shit together. Uh, but we do still love Taco Bell. Uh, all right, uh, let's move on to today. So uh, just before the bell, about 30 minutes ago, U.S. futures were up big. Uh, the Dow was up uh, 150 bips. The S&P was up 120, and the NASDAQ was up 130. Gold was down. Crude was up. Europe's up. Asia's up. Uh, now that we are about 33 minutes into the trading session, um, the Dow, the S&P, the NASDAQ are all up. Uh, Dow's up 180 basis points. S&P's up 158. The DAC is up 150. Uh, gold has turned around and is green, and crude is up almost 200 basis points. Um, why are these uh, indices ripping so hard today? Jobs. People love this new jobs data. Uh, unemployment. Now, take all of this with a grain of salt, please, because we know garbage in, garbage out. And uh, the, the Bureau of Labor Statistics has come out and said they know this data is trash. But uh, Wall Street doesn't care about that right now. Um, they're just taking anything positive, latching onto it, and then levering it the fuck up, as they are wont to do. Stonks go up. Unemployment declined in June from 13.3% to 11.1%. So, um, you know, clawed back 3% uh, plus. Um, but keep in mind the Bureau of Labor Statistics actually came out and said that June was actually 16.3%, not 13.3%. So it's really at 13.1%. So it hasn't moved from where we thought it was, um, but there's still a, 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 a disconnection there. Uh, so just keep in mind that, like, guys, this is fucking garbage, and they're not going to tell you real stats. Um, and, and, I mean, that even that officially released labor data, even in the best market, is never in line with what real unemployment is. All right, so just be cautious on that. Um, but, uh, you know, those job, jobs are up regardless. Uh, what the percentage is is really kind of irrelevant. They are up, likely due to reopenings, and again, that extension of PPP, which has given small business owners a little bit of confidence in being able to hire people back. Um, jobless claims did also come out today for the March, month of June, uh, or for rather the last week, the week ending uh, on the 28th. Um, Claims were at 1.43 million, which was largely in line with expectations, uh, down slightly from 1.5 million last week. But I think uh, it, that's recovering at a slower rate than people expect. So there's there's just disconnect all over the place, but people are seeing and hearing what they want to hear and see, and they're kind of ignoring the bad stuff and glomming onto the good. Um, I don't know. It's going to keep going that way. Uh, over in the Eurozone, unemployment's actually continuing to rise. It's a little uglier over there than it is over here. Maybe they're less optimistic. Maybe they're more realistic. Um, but um, people are losing their jobs in Europe. And I think the European economies are going to be in really, really rough shape for a long time. And that does impact the global economy. 
um, they were not in as strong a position as we were coming into this, and I think they're going to be really hurt for a long time over this. Uh, in other news, the CEOs of Apple, Amazon, Facebook, and Google have agreed to testify in front of the House Antitrust Subcommittee, including Daddy Bezos. Jeff Jorgensen is going to be a uh, going to be testifying along with that crew. We don't have a date yet on that, but it's expected to be later this month. So at the end of July, I expect to see that. Uh, in Seattle, uh, Seattle police and uh, municipal government closed down the Capitol Hill organized protest zone known as the CHOP zone uh, after weeks of just brutal violence. I mean, I don't know how much you guys know about this, but it was basically like a bunch of protesters um, affiliated with whatever group, who knows what their affiliation is with, but they spun out of the recent civil rights protests, and I'm sure they call themselves all variants of things from Antifa to BLM to who knows, but uh, they closed off an area, basically barricaded an area of Seattle, and, you know, it burned police stations, uh, said no cops are allowed in here, and uh, surprise, surprise, things quickly just devolved into total anarchy, People getting shot, people getting stabbed, people getting robbed. Uh, I'm sure there was some even more horrible stuff that happens in there that we haven't heard about. But um, if you have seen any of the video or footage coming out of this, it's just absolute fucking disaster. I mean, I think part of that has to do with uh, the fact that sometimes these fringe movements can attract people that um, may be in the more marginalized parts of society, the homeless, the drug addicted, the mentally ill. Um, and like, whether their mission was noble or not, um, when you throw off all kind of bounds of uh, civilization and try to go back to a tribal uh, system, uh, it's it's evident here that shit goes south pretty fucking quick. So that was doomed from the get-go, whether they realize it or not. Um, and looks like that's finally being broken up. All right, chart of the day. Uh, the ADP non-farm payroll. So we're going to stay on jobs, but... Um, it showed slowed rehiring in June. Um, the pace was off. It was 2.36 million actually versus 2.9 million expected. So yeah, they're reporting three and a half million, but uh, that's all jobs. This is just non-farm. So non-farm was a little slower than expected. Um, obviously non-farm is non-agricultural jobs. Pretty self-explanatory, but um, ADP non-farm payroll is an important one because they're the people who process huge, huge portion of checks for uh, payroll. So that number is usually a pretty good one to look at. So uh, I'm looking at that chart and I'm seeing uh, even more disconnections. But again, market don't care. Stocks go up. All right. In other news, Ghislaine Maxwell, Jeffy Epstein's buddy old pal, was arrested by the FBI. Um, that's a, I, kind of the first news I've heard on the Epstein case in a really long time. Uh, everybody got distracted by uh, first, that uh, Iranian conflict that we had. Remember that? We blew up one of their generals and we were like, we'll fuck you up. And they basically backed down. Uh, and then Corona showed up on U.S. shores and that's really been the focus. And then the market took a shit. Now everyone's just dialed into the market. So um, that's uh, that's first I've heard on the Epstein front. They got they got Ghislaine Maxwell, who was allegedly like his madam. She would help him like recruit women and groom them and bring them into his little sex circle that, you know, all the British royals were participating in, like numerous American billionaires, uh, Bill Clinton, probably Hillary too, horrible Hillary. Um, you know, I don't know, maybe Donald Trump. Um, definitely not Mike Pence though. Definitely not the wax man. Uh, in fact, the wax man won't even go into a room with other women unless he's escorted by his wife. Uh, he is just oh so pious. Um, or that's what, you know, 
that's what the people who created his persona for his, his wax uh, effigy uh, have built into his background. Mike Pence, the wax man, very pious. Um, all right, guess what? We're going to talk about China today on the final episode. Um, so what's the origin of the issue with China? I mean, obviously we've had uh, spats with China over the years, but you know, when our economy kind of reached its organic growth peak at the dawn of, well, the, the beginning of the real boom of the internet era, right? Like early 2000s, um, you know, our service industries continued to grow, but our manufacturing kind of uh, hit its ceiling and we couldn't make goods here for the price that American consumers demanded them. So, you know, some very smart, forward-looking people say, hey, let's outsource this shit to China. They're a growing economy. They got a lot of laborers. We can put some cheap factories there. We pay 50 cents an hour to these people instead of paying American workers to do that. So, you know, in the late 90s and early 2000s, a lot of manufacturing went out to China. And as China got better at manufacturing, more and more advanced industries moved there. So we're talking about pharmaceuticals and healthcare. We're talking about technology, semiconductors. Um, and then, you know, we arrive in, in the, uh, the, the late 20-teens and China's kind of a beast. We've kind of created a little bit of a Frankenstein's monster. And now they're pushing back on trade and we're pushing back harder. So we're working on a trade deal and we're in phase one of it right now. And there have been tons of dis, you know, disagreements between the US and Chinese on who has to do what, how much China's buying of soy, how much uh, tech is gonna be imported. Um, the US made some bold moves by banning some Chinese tech companies like Huawei from operating in the US just based on security issues and there's some antitrust stuff and you know there's always that battleground of semiconductors because as we've mentioned before they are the currency of technology every piece of technology that you own use operate every piece of technology used by any kind of company you know the cyber the cyber uh, the cloud guys the hyperscalers the data center folks uh, Microsoft Azure Amazon web services Google Cloud everything that runs everything that you use from wireless internet to uh, your cell phone to your wireless speakers to you know everything to refrigerators now you know and cars everything has semiconductors in it and China actually you know manufactures a shitload of those semiconductors so the U.S. is now struggling to re-domicile a lot of these industries. Everything from basic manufacturing, like the people who make mattress foam, uh, to the people who make these super high-tech semiconductor chips. So as we push to and fro, that kind of muddies the waters around the supply chain, which creates uncertainty, which makes U.S. companies unsure about, hey, where am I going to get this going forward, which causes double ordering in the supply chain, which causes a, a boost that's artificial when people stock up on these materials and then... They need to figure out what the actual demand's gonna be. And then we figure out, okay, did we overorder? Did we underorder? And then, um, you know, we're, we're, we've actually benefited from, I mean, the economy has benefited from this mini struggle with China because orders have been pulled in. So that's gonna be something to pay really close attention to. Um, all right, so what can we do about this, right? Uh, and then, of course, there's obviously the coronavirus issue. Did it originate in China? Did it come out of the Wuhan lab? For the record, the Wuhan uh, viral lab is a global initiative with a shitload of countries participating in it that has received funding from almost every country that matters in the world, including the United States. Uh, there are researchers from almost every country working there. So that's not really a Chinese venue. That's an international venue. It just happens to be in China. Um, but there are tons of questions around that. And then there's the liability question. You know, there are still... There's still bills in Congress saying, okay, can states sue China? 
Can municipalities, can individuals, can businesses sue China? I mean, that's going to be hugely impactful and something important to watch. Additionally, there's a shitload of Chinese assets here in the U.S. that, you know what, we can freeze um, if we decide we want to. If you guys remember after 9-11, we did a lot of that with Saudi assets. there are certain provisions in uh, you know, our laws that allow us to freeze the assets of foreign nationals that we believe uh, are, are, we're at odds with. So we could use those same rules that we used after 9-11 with Saudi assets to freeze Chinese assets, and that could cause some serious problems. So we do have some cards up our sleeves. Um, it's going to be a really important one to watch. Um, so there's my little bit on China. We can talk more about it if you want. You can call me anytime. Um, we won't do any more of these, but... We'll talk again. Um, all right, and today in history, uh, Elie Wiesel won the 1986 Nobel Peace Prize for his coverage on the Holocaust. Uh, he died at age 86. In 2002, Steve Fawcett um, became the first balloonist to circumnavigate the world alone. Um, pretty cool pics of his balloon online. Uh, in 1979, the U.S. minted the Susan B. Anthony dollar. She was the first woman on U.S. currency, followed then by our friend Sacagawea, who course, led Lewis and Clark across the country as their guide. Uh, In 1964, LBJ signed the Civil Rights Act, uh, which is probably the most important civil rights legislation piece since the Emancipation Proclamation. Uh, In 1937, Amelia Earhart disappeared on her trans, uh, or her global circumnavigation flight aboard the Spirit of St. Louis. Uh, In 1932, FDR coined the New Deal in his acceptance speech uh, for presidential nomination at the DNC. 1881, President James Garfield was shot. He died in September of that year. So he hung on for a while, but he eventually died in office. was replaced by his vice president. Uh, in 1839, the slave rebellion aboard the Amistad, uh, there's a movie called Amistad about that, very good, uh, occurred. And in 1776, after a dramatic all-night ride from Delaware, Caesar Rodney, uh, the delegate from the state of Delaware, arrived in Philadelphia from uh, just in time to vote to approve the Declaration of Independence and ratify it, which happened on July 2nd. 1776. Now, it was approved by Congress on July 4th, which is why we celebrate, uh, but it actually wasn't even signed until August 2nd. All right, guys, that's all we got today. That wraps up the daily update. Uh, It's been fun. It's been real. Uh, It's been a really fun exercise for me. I hope that you guys liked it. I hope you got something out of it. Um, I hope maybe one day we can bring it back, but we're going to pause it at least for a little while because I got to go back to the office and my commute won't allow for that free time in the morning that I need. You thought I was jammed up before. Just wait. All right, guys. I hope everyone has a wonderful 4th of July. I hope I see you all soon, and um, I wish you luck out there.